Greetings and welcome to A Stone in Zion, weekly podcast of Zion in Reedfield, Wisconsin. It's Pastor Peter Kesting coming to you. And I don't have an interview here this week, um, but uh, just uh, some thoughts here on the sermon. I don't think I've ever preached on this text before. At least I, you know, it seems very familiar where I kind of thought I had, but then I looked at my records um, at what I've preached on in the past, and I've never preached on the dishonest manager before. It's kind of a a difficult passage. I think that's probably why I've always <laughs> preached on either the Amos or I think it was the First Timothy. Um, always preached on a different text for this Sunday, but. And I also, I like the book of Amos. It's just one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. So it's probably another reason why I've always preached on the Amos text this time. Um, you know, I just, Amos is a great book. And throughout it is the, the theme of the needy, helping those who uh, need help. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about compassion ministry I, uh, with Pastor Christopite. And you know, one thing I forgot to mention, we talked about the symposium and compassion ministry but they didn't mention amos at all which i thought was strange because that was probably the first book of the bible i think of when i think about like compassion ministry um but the gospel lesson is the message or the 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 parable of the dishonest servant and um just in some of the research i did on it some of the thinking about it um that i did over the week made me realize that you know if you look at it from the perspective of the master, the whole parable um, gets kind of turned upside down. And I think that's more or less what you have to do to really make sense of this without, you know, trying to do violence to the actual text and just say, oh, this is what Jesus says, but that's not what it really means. (laughs) Um, Which I think sometimes people have done um, to try to get around the idea of, you know, how come... Jesus is encouraging us to steal or, you know, to cheat or to be dishonest. But of course, you know, he's not doing that. Um, I think, you know, as you'll see in the sermon, I kind of look at the sermon from the other perspective and uh, it kind of, um, I don't know, shows us a different thing. But, uh, you know, I think this is an important important parable for us to, to look at as well as we think about you know, our lives as Christians and our role with the things that, that we have. And, uh, you know, just looking a little ahead here at uh, the Christian character th- sermon series here, we're going to be talking a little bit about money, and I'm hoping I will uh, come in next week with an interview um, to talk maybe a little bit about financial resources and things like that and how as we as Christians can make use of these things. Um, but I... Uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, enjoy the enjoy the sermon. Thanks. Of our gospel, out of respect for the words of Jesus, as they come to us from Luke chapter sixteen, verses one to thirteen. Uh, this will also serve as a text for our sermon today. Jesus told his disciples. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? 
give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, <clears throat> or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. <clears throat> you cannot serve both God and money. This is the gospel of our Lord. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> Back in the early 1960s, President Kennedy made the statement that the country was going to put an astronaut on the moon in that decade. Perhaps you're familiar with that. It's a famously said that, and of course it, it happened. But when he made that a goal, all of a sudden dozens of people's lives were driven by that goal to make that happen. And hundreds of people probably uh, worked many hours so that that could happen. I would imagine if the United States just said, well, you know, it'll happen when it happens and had that kind of an attitude towards landing on the moon, well, maybe eventually it would have happened, but <clears throat> probably not as quickly as it did. <clears throat> and I guess it goes to show that really having goals and being driven by those goals can make a big difference in a person's life. And I guess many people are driven by many different goals, aren't they? And I think that's really what Jesus is kind of putting his finger on here in our text. When he talks about serving two masters, he's basically telling us, What's going to drive you? What is going to be your goal? And Jesus kind of tackles a popular goal in our world today, doesn't he? When he tackles the, the goal of worldly wealth. And he 
tells us here in our text, you know, who are you going to serve? You cannot serve two masters. You will either love one or hate the other. Here in our text for today, as we look at this, this in, unique parable, and I also personally think it's probably the most difficult parable that Jesus ever told to understand, we see that he's emphasizing today how we can grow our Christian character by serving God and nothing else. And we can do that by trusting in God because he is trustworthy. And we can use all things that he has given us to serve him. I just said I think this is maybe one of the most difficult parables to understand. And certainly if you just look at it in a kind of a passing glance here, it would almost seem as if Jesus was saying that a person should lie, cheat, and steal to get ahead. Right? I mean, the, the master commended him or praised this dishonest servant for cooking the books. Right? I think part of the difficulty is that we look at this parable from the perspective of the manager. I think if we look at this parable from the perspective of the master, it's all changed. So in this story, we have the master who I would imagine was known as being a generous person. And he's got this manager who then goes to these debtors and tells them, hey, guess what? The manager or the master has reduced your debt. Now, does it say it? And we can maybe assume that they didn't know that they were in on this deception. They just assumed that the master was being generous and that this manager is a good guy. And so when the man when the master finds out that the manager was being dishonest, cooking the books, what was the master supposed to do? Would he go to those debtors and, hey, guess what? You still owe me the 800 gallons of olive oil? And then he would look like he wasn't generous. But you see, the manager was betting on the generous nature of the master. He was banking on it and how generous the master was that he would let this debt go. And that he would then be held in favorable position with these other people, and he'd be welcomed into their houses later on. If we look at this parable from the perspective of the master, we see that the point of it, that the master is generous, he's merciful, and forgiving and good. Here in our text for today, I think when we look at this parable, we need to see that the the manager is, or that the master is a, a merciful person. And we can see God, too, as being merciful. And we should trust in his mercy, and that we, too, can even bank on his mercy and his generosity. And I think this parable also is focused on that idea of having a goal, right? It, it revolves around the idea that there is going to be an end to the earthly existence, and there's going to be a transition then to eternal existence. 
that's the idea where the, the manager knows that he's going to be fired soon, right? You know, there's going to be a change. How do you prepare for that change? And, and knowing that there's going to be a change, it affects differently how you um, act with other people. Now, imagine for a moment that uh, uh, there's a soldier who is captured by the enemy and he's held as a POW. Maybe while he's there in prison, he's able to hold on to just a few dear items while he's there. Maybe he smuggled in a picture of his girlfriend and they didn't find it when they took him in. Or maybe, you know, he got a book from someone or just a few trinkets. When that person's in prison, maybe those few little items are the most important thing to them and that he would hold on to those things so tightly. But then if he is told that there's going to be a, a prisoner exchange and tomorrow he's going to be set free and return home, perhaps all those things that he once held on to so closely don't matter as much, do they? Maybe the, the picture of his girlfriend doesn't matter as much because, you know, tomorrow he's going to see her. And those other possessions that he had, there are going to be plenty more with the freedom that he will soon have. I think we see a, a parallel to that here in our text for today. When, when this person knows that his job is going to be over, it changes how he's going to act. And I think it, it changes how we act, too. We have to be thinking about the goal. You know, um, as Christians, we are driven by a different goals than the rest of the world is. And like I said, Jesus is, is nailing one most common goal, which is worldly wealth, that so many people in this world strive after. That is their be-all and their end-all. Jesus is kind of hitting that here, and he's presenting us with a different goal. As Christians, we really have two. Our goal is to find ourselves in the arms of the everlasting Father. That one day our position will change as well. One day we will go from this world to the next. And when that happens, we want to find ourselves the arms of the Father. And second goal is that we want to make friends, eternal friends, so that they too can find themselves in the arms of the Father. That's really, I think, the point of this parable. The manager is looking ahead to when he will no longer be in the position that he's in. He will have to change his perspective. And I think as people living in this world, we too have a different perspective, a different goal. Here, he tells us to make friends for eternity. And to use whatever we have on this earth to do that. And sometimes whenever I think about this parable, I, I think about presidential pardons. Maybe you're you know, familiar with the, the presidential pardons. Usually it's towards the end of a president's um, you know, time in office. They will pardon a bunch of people, right? And sometimes they're trying to maybe right a wrong or something like that. But I think sometimes they're trying to 
uh, do a favor for someone, you know, so that later on they can maybe get a favor back from them. So I'll, I'll go and go ahead and do a pardon for this, these people. And maybe later on they'll do a favor for me. And it sounds kind of underhanded, but really it's perfectly within the rights of the president to do so. But essentially that's what's kind of going on here in our text for today, isn't it? That idea of, of using whatever we have to accomplish these goals, to use money as a way to make friends for eternity. And sometimes we see that people serve money. You know, in our text, Jesus asks a question, you know, or he tells us that we cannot serve two masters. You love one or hate the other. You'll love God or, or will you love money is really the, the question that Jesus is putting out there. And perhaps there's been times in our lives, and I think probably for all of us, when we've struggled with this very concept, when money has become more important in our lives than it should. I mean, unfortunately, it is just something that we live with as people. I mean, we can't hardly live a day without thinking about money. And I think you look around at the world around us and we see people that goal of that money is their goal. So it becomes natural, I think, for us to unfortunately take on the, the sinful world around us and to have that same goal. And those times when we catch ourselves doing that, I think we need to remind ourselves of if God or if money is, is what we're serving, then where's God in this equation? Is God pushed to the curb? Sometimes we need to take a real good look at ourselves and, and recognize our, our sin and ask God for forgiveness. And know that God is merciful, right? That's sort of the, the underlying message of this parable. The master is good. The master is merciful and forgiving. He forgave the manager for what he had done. He commended him. He praised him. And our God is good too. He forgives us for our sins for what we have done, our, our mixed goals that we've had, our, our different masters that we have served, forgives us. Now he encourages us to go and to serve him and to make friends for eternity with whatever we have. And that's, of course, a important thing for us, right? If we can use the possessions that God has given to us to serve our goal of being in heaven or of having other people be in heaven, then what a great use it is. You know, parents, are your children perfect? No. Would you like them to be perfect? <laughs> Probably all would. Did you ever think about it, that a day will come when they will be perfect? If your children are friends that you made for eternity, if you have you know, used the resources that, that, are in, that are given to you from God to make friends for eternity with them, you will see them. You will see them as being perfect. 
And I've often thought about that. You know, what amazing thing that would be. The people that we enjoy right now, we, we have fun with them, but if they are Christians, we will know them in an even greater way. They will be perfect there in heaven. And I think what an encouragement that is for us to see this world differently, to be driven by different goals than this world is. Make those friends that will last forever. And we can do that with our family, with our children, with our brothers and sisters, our neighbors. If we enjoy spending time with them now, just think of spending eternity with them. What an encouragement for us then to use whatever we have to serve that goal. Here in our text, we, we see that the master is good, he's merciful, he's loving. And of course, this gives us a picture of who God is in our lives. God wants to uh, be with us for all eternity as well. He's trying to make friends for eternity with us. That's why he sent Jesus into this, this world, suffered and died to take away our sins so that we could find ourselves in his arms at the end of the ages. Jesus summarizes it well. If this is who God is, he's this merciful, loving guy, and then you got money, which master are you going to serve? All right? You can't serve too. Maybe there's times we'd like we'd like to do that, but you can't. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll go close to one or you'll despise the other, as Jesus says here. Which one are you going to serve? Well, on judgment day, what is money going to do for us? Nothing. Judgment day, what is Jesus going to do for us? Everything. Here in our text, we, we see that message there of, of holding on to Jesus. You know, I think this question, which one will you serve, is the idea of who are you going to turn to when troubles come into your lives? Who are you going to hold on to tightly? I've seen, pe I've seen people turn to money when troubles come. I've seen people hold tightly to worldly wealth. When difficulties come. And in that way, I think that's them serving money. Right? That's them where money becomes the God. But of course, God wants us to hold to him in difficult times. In trouble, troubling times. When, when we're told that we have a sickness. When we're told that a loved one. May, may be ill. When we see troubles around us in the world that we live in, we should turn to the one who can help. Hold on to him tightly. And use all the other things as ways to serve that goal of serving him. And as Christians, we have a special uh, goal. We are driven with a, a goal in mind. 
as we strive towards that goal of spending all eternity with God, as we drive towards that goal of making friends for eternity, may we look to God for help, forgiveness, and mercy, and know that he gives it to us. And may we give him thanks and praise eternally. Amen. Please rise. Now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.